and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So let's delve right in. And we're back. And this week's Parsha is Yitro, which I always found interesting because I'm like, wouldn't you want the, one of the most important parts of Torah, which is when we get the Luchos and the Ten Commandments and really we start becoming a nation, wouldn't you call that like a special Parsha? <laughs> or like, you know, this is the Torah important Parsha, so we're going to call this like Matan Torah or something. But it's just called like Yitro. I was just like, all right. <laughs> just curious. Well, um, y- you are basically hijacking this uh, podcast by asking that question. <laughs> so it's just starting. We don't have to deal with it, but I'm just curious about. Well, that. so that's why I'll deal with it in a with short shrift. Short uh, shrift. <laughs> um, that that I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that the answer is kind of simple. And because well, all the parshas start with the, the word at the beginning. No, it's because we just put a little bit too much importance on the names of the parshios as we have them today. But really, there's not much significance in the names of the parshios. Ah, touche. In other words, the parsha, the real parsha of Yisro. If there was a parsha of Yisro, it didn't extend all the way into. It didn't extend all the way into the the parsha of the giving of the Torah. Mm. If you look, if you look way back, like a thousand years ago, you see that it hadn't even gelled so officially with the names of the parshios. In other words, all they knew that they had to split it up in a certain way, so that it would accommodate the calendar, the so that we could be able to accommodate, um, you know, finishing the Torah once a year. Mm-hmm. But they would split it in different ways, and you see in other communities, like more Sephardic communities, like Taimani communities, they're much more fluid when it comes to how you break it up exactly. Oh, all right. And so, so you can find like even in uh, like a Rashi somewhere will say like Parshas Avram, Parshas Noach. Mm-hmm. We don't have a Parshas Avram. Right. <clears throat> it was a story of Avram. It could be that they read a lot more than we read about Avram. You know, mm-hmm. make like more topical. So, so the question is, if for the last eight hundred years or whatever, like, let's say it's solidified or a little bit less. That, you know, we have 52 parashiyot and the 52 parashiyot are split this way. Mm-hmm. And they're called this and this. It's not that much, I don't put attribute that much significance to it. I think it was just a convention. Mm-hmm. And eventually it kind of like gelled that way. But if we call it parashat Yitro, it's because there was a parasha of Yitro. I mean, Yitro was an important person in the sense that he was Moshe's father-in-law and he made this innovation. Mm-hmm. Or he suggested an innovation about, you know, delegation. Right. Of power, but um, it doesn't necessarily include the giving of the Torah. Right. Yeah, it's just, I guess it's one of those examples of things that we take very seriously and attribute a lot of importance to, but they're not that important. Like, we have other things here and there within Judaism that we like treat like Kaddish Kaddashim, and it's just like, chill out, man. <laughs> it's well, not that important. Because it's based on ignorance. It's not like it's part of Judaism, like, you know, core Judaism. But I think a lot of things are based on ignorance because it's, you know, I don't know how many people educate themselves seriously or... Um, well, now you're making a swooping statement. Sweeping statements. Well, we can leave sweeping so, statements for later. Yeah, if you're talking about something particular we can talk about, then fine. But 
Otherwise, I don't know. Well, then let's let's get into what you wanted to talk about for real. <laughs> well, I, I, I wanted to talk about. Um, I wanted to talk about like um, a, a line that the commentator, the Ramban Nachmanides, talks about. <laughs> Nachmanides talks about. <clears throat> um, Shout out. Yeah. No, 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 don't. <laughs> yeah. So he, because he makes, he, he talks about it at the end of Parshat Bo, which is a couple of Parshiot before. But I think it, you know, in one way or another, it's, it has to do with the giving of the Torah because the question is, you know, how the Torah affects our daily lives. So, so the Ramban basically says, so I want to talk about the idea of, uh, just to be sound a little bit more dramatic, the idea of like pantheism. Pantheism. <clears throat> yeah, pantheism, like pantheism. Pan means like the scope of everything. Let's say nature. Theism. Mm-hmm. Right? So the, the pantheism is a belief that you can see that there's a power in nature, so to speak. It's specific to nature, pantheism? I believe. I, I haven't looked it up recently, but... Like I remember I, I had um, I had a little the first time I heard I really heard the word pantheism, you know, seriously was I was uh, w- w- in our school, little school in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So we had our own minion for Shabbos. So it, you know, it was like a shul. It was like a, a synagogue where where it was just it was like a school minion, and <laughs> and the kids in the school were active in in the minion itself. The kids in the school were the active minion itself, so we were, we were like the protagonists, right? So when I got older, I don't remember, I, I had already graduated, I think. Yeah, I must have graduated because I was bar mitzvah, I came back for, you know, I used to dive in there to help, to do this, to that, still, even though I was just an alumni. Um, and I, the rabbi was there, the rabbi of the community, Rabbi Fine. And I was, it was Rosh Chodesh, that fell out on Shabbos, and I, as customary, I was singing one. Of the, I was singing for different parts of, of Hallel, and the last part of Hallel I sang, "Ode to Joy." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Must have been like fifteen or sixteen years old, and I was singing "Ode to Joy," like, mm-hmm. <laughs> So <That's> cute. <laughs> yeah, so. Rabbi Fine didn't think it was cute. <laughs> so he came over to me afterwards. He says, don't you know that Beethoven was a pantheist? <clears throat> he says, that's not something we want to put in the synagogue. So I'm like, that's a big word. What are you doing That's about? a big word. I'm going to look it up in our huge random house dictionary, which is like this big. And I went home and I looked it up. And pantheism is like the... <laughs> The, the way of uh, seeing that power in nature, that nature is, is powerful. In other words, nature is like a god. Does, right, fine, okay. Nature is a god. Na- I think it's in Greek like mythology. Like mother nature. In Greek mythology, you have the god Pan. Yeah. That's, that's how I kind of knew what you were talking about. Right. Like, like <laughs> how much do I nature? rely on novel? <laughs> so what's the difference between this and that? Novel Whatever, but it's like... Um, so I want to talk about that because the Ramban... Nachmanis does seem to borderline talk about that possible idea. 
and it, it's like I find that it's kind of like skirted around. So the issue is skirted around, as those that try to explain what he meant um, kind of skirt the issue. But it's um, he says like this. He says that we have uh, we have um, the purpose of miracles, which is what he's talking about there, is so that we should understand that the world isn't on autopilot and that ultimately there is uh, a creator who created the world who runs the world. It's not just he created it, but he runs the world. And the way we understand that the world is, is, uh, has providence, which we spoke about a couple weeks ago, is that, is that you see miracles. Okay? There's and miracles. seeing miracles are the things that go against the system of nature that God has set into place. Right, right. So it would seem that something like splitting of the sea, which is like one of the, you know, classic examples of miracles in the Torah, like we read in last week's portion, uh, it would be a classical example of a miracle that goes against nature, right? Now, there is no other miracle that you can point to that you can say, like if you had to make a miracle that everyone would be convinced is you know, against nature, that's anti-nature. It's like in the natural world, these things don't happen. Mm-hmm. What would it be? Something that breaks the laws of nature, like something that floats because it goes against gravity. Or You mean like if you mix oil and water? Right. So Lighting, lighting water on fire. Lighting water on fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was there any of that? Or like a burning bush that doesn't burn. Okay. Like God did with Moshe and... Assuming that that... Okay, whatever, but... Assuming that... <laughs> right, fine. Assuming I mean, the Rambam will say happening. that that was a part of his vision. That's what he saw in his vision. It was, right. it was a prophecy. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I love those concepts. It's great. But is there any example in the Torah... I mean, I, I, we're going to get a little off, off the track here, but is there any of the miracles that the Torah considers miracles? It says, you know, the ten plagues, mm-hmm. then the crossing of the sea. Then, I don't know, what else would you like? Other miracles, I don't know. Bread falling from the sky. We don't call it bread, call it seeds or whatever. Like we spoke about like a few days ago. I know exactly what mun was. Yeah, but, but is there... Sustenance a... was falling from the sky. Yeah, so do you think... <laughs> Throwing I mean, a saying, do you have to that, into bitter water. Do you think that sweet. you have to believe that those things were really what you would... Like lighting water on fire? Meaning, do I need to believe that they were miraculous as opposed to a natural no. coincidence? Y- y- do, are you forced in saying that the, the, what the Torah calls miracles were actually things like lighting water on fire that completely break all the laws of nature that we know? Let's say the, split, the sea split, right? right? Is it possible in nature to imagine such a thing happening? I'm saying there are scientists who try to prove that there could have been a very strong wind that pushed the water. So, like, there's definitely a desire for people to want to explain it. Does that make it less divine? I don't necessarily think so, but do I think that we should be trying to explain everything naturally? I don't know. Let's say you wanted, let's say you wanted to be, let's say you were doing, orchestrating this, and you wanted to accomplish that thing, which is to make sure that everybody understands that God runs the world. I mean, would you, would you do something else? That's more convincing? I don't know what I would do if I were God. Well, but... I'm saying, well, you had an example. You, you, you Maybe you'd let the, let the water on fire. I don't know. 
That'd be so cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just walk through flaming water <clears throat> that doesn't burn. If you had and all the walk options. on water. Well. <laughs> We'd be the originals. <laughs> well, that, I mean, maybe that's interesting because you have, you know, the New Testament talks about, you know, their Savior, you know, walking on water. But Yeah, we'd be the original. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it was on fire. It'd be so much cooler. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, if you want to be a scoffer, you could always say walking on water is, you know, you had, sty- you know, styrofoam shoes and stilts. <laughs> you're walking on wood or something else was floating. I mean, I don't know. Mm. It, no, no the point is, scoffing. is there a way to say, is there a way to create a situation where person will be like there is no way even a you know skeptical person there's no way to see see this any other way except that this is a miracle is there such a thing hmm, uh, no i think everything someone could always rationalize everything and i think that's something that we all struggle with on a day-to-day basis meaning we are so used to living regular life what seems regular to us and rationalizing everything that it's hard to stop for a second and really emphasize or realize that there are certain things that are just miraculous or divine in their nature but it takes a moment to really recognize that okay so that's a good point to to break back because i think the ramban was a little bit bothered with this and he said um because he says even after all the miracles he says the the egyptians who all these miracles were also supposed to impress Kind of were doubtful, and they also and they were denying a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And then now he says like this. I think this is what's bothering. He says, "Since God is not willing, he doesn't think it's a good idea to perform miracles and signs and wonders every generation in the eyes of every scoffer." And and uh, an evil person, That's why we have to constantly remember um, what we saw in Egypt, and we have to tell our children, etc., etc. And this eventually, ultimately, becomes a source for us to to um, to 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 do mitzvos. The, the the divine order very often calls into our memory, recalls, the, the, the leaving Egypt. The leaving of Egypt is mentioned very often in, in, in regards to doing mitzvahs because ultimately what you're doing is you're saying you, your belief in God being a, an omniscient God who sees and knows everything and is aware and, and has a plan for the world is something that inspires us to do mitzvahs, to do commandments. Because the commandments are coming from the same source, ultimately, and that we believe that that this, the, the, just like God runs the world and shows, shows miracles, so then this is the, this is the transition where he goes into um, what we, not living supposedly with miracles, are meant to believe. That we're meant to believe that ultimately everything is a miracle in a sense. Right? Everything is a miracle because if it's run by God, it's a miracle. And there is no... So really nothing is a miracle because God runs everything. Right. Or it's a semantic, <laughs> basically. But the point is, is that the point is, is that it, there's, there's no, what we think the, na- the, the, the uh, being bound by nature is, is not really being bound by nature. It's, it's what's, it's being bound by God's word. So if God says, you know, if you put a mezuzah on your house, your house is going to be safe. 
So then that's also a miracle. And if, and if you read every day the Shema that says, then you'll have rain and you'll have this and, and these things will happen in the world according to this, according to these laws. These aren't laws of nature. Mm-hmm. None of the laws of the Torah are laws of nature. Right. So ultimately, if you can believe that, then, then you believe basically in what he calls nisim nistarim, like hidden miracles. That basically everything's a miracle. A miracle in the sense that it's being guided. Or, mm-hmm. it's, or it's divinely inspired. Nothing is random. Nothing not, is running right. on its own. It's all being... Right. So eventually what I want to talk about is it's the extent of this idea, like how far it goes. But, but before that, I was, saying, I was trying to explain that. I think, since, I think this idea of what we're asking is of, of you know, what is a miracle, really? You know, it, it, ultimately, I think the Ramban is trying to teach us is that the miracle is in the eye of the beholder. There is nothing that you can do for someone that's going to convince him of God's existence if he doesn't want to see it. You could put water on fire and the guy looking at it will say, yeah, well, that's because there's really oil that was stuck. There's no, how are you possibly... You could always rationalize everything. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. So basically he's saying something very strong. He's saying that, saying that ultimately the difference between what those people experienced in Egypt our forefathers experienced in Egypt, and us is only the difference of the eye in between the eyes that are beholding, that are looking on to this, these phenomena. You understand? In other words, these were more, uh, let's say, persuasively miraculous, or they were more powerful experiences, right? Because after all, they, the, 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 the Israelites people, the Jewish people were stuck in the middle of this thing, and they stood to only, you know, if you're being, one is being saved, so clearly you have a different appreciation for what's going on. If you're stuck in a cell, and all of a sudden the walls fall, right, and you go out, for you that's a miracle. For somebody else, that's an earthquake. Right. You understand? So if you're the person, if you're the benefactor, if you're you're the beneficiary, so then you're the one who feels the miracle. Mm. But I'm just saying, the, the Ramban kind of throws it at us and says, you know, why doesn't this happen more often? Why aren't we always experiencing Mitzrayim things? And he says, because God's not going to do that for people that don't see it. What's the point? Mm-hmm. It reminds me that I always say this is, there was this ridiculous movie. I even forgot the name of it, but it was a Steve Martin movie, a comedy movie. And, and he's like, he's doing a seance, you know, to try to conjure up the spirit of some... Oh, you showed it to me. I did? Yeah. Or you told me about it. He's by the table and he's like... Yeah, and everything's floating. The <laughs> furniture's flowing. The air, you know, the, 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 the shutters are bursting open and things are flying. And he's like, show me a sign. And like, everything that could possibly be a sign is actually happening around mm-hmm. him. And he's like, show me a sign. And like, they finally give up because they're like not convinced that like <laughs> the spirit was there, you know? <laughs> It reminds like, me of the other story of the guy drowning in the water and he's like, God save me and a helicopter comes and it's like, you know, we'll save you. And he's like, nah, I'm waiting for God to save me. Yeah. And then a boat comes and they're like, get on. And he's like, nah, I'm waiting for God to save me. And then he drowns and he goes up to heaven and he's like, God, why didn't you save me? And he's like, right. you idiot. Right. I gave you so many tries. Right. 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 Okay. I, I guess I was thinking originally. Yeah. But that's, that's like that idea. That, in other words, we're just, we're just blind to what we, to what's going on around us. Even in that case, where the person needs to be saved, mm-hmm. that's even more stupid. You know what I'm saying? Because he could have but getting saved doesn't matter, whatever. But, but the point is that, um, 
certainly if you stand to to gain from from what you from something it's it's for you it's much easier to see the miracle and that's really what scoffers will always say it's like yeah you know for you it's a miracle for me it's an earthquake mm-hmm. so so why would god do such a thing right unless it's unless it's nistar right unless there's some idea of that god's hand is always present it's just that he's let me let me just put it this way. I think what really makes the experience of Mitzrayim different is, according to the Ramban, is that the, the eyes that perceived it objectively were seeing it orchestrated. That's the difference. The difference mm-hmm. is the difference is that it's Moshe, and I think that's what I was trying to say at the table when I was saying that the reason why it's not a problem to say that we believed at the splitting of the sea in God and Moshe is because even though that's a tiny, kind of a dangerous thing for us, you know, monotheists, you don't, you don't join the, the name of a person together with God um, because people will deify Moshe in the end, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that the Torah, according to our tradition, was very careful about that and that's why we don't know where he was buried and we don't want people deifying Moshe, right? However, um, at this, for the, the only time in the Torah that it puts God and Moshe together is that we believe in Moshe, God and, and Moshe, his, his servant, is because the belief really it's a it's a it's a it's a narrative it's an explanation of what was going on then it's that we really believed in Hashem because of Moshe. At that point, because we hadn't had our own experience with God, really, so we were experiencing God through Moshe, and and the way we were experiencing is that when the, 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 everything you know the the, sea, the the river turned into blood, or there was a, a plague of locusts, which could happen in the world. It happens. There's plagues of locusts. Mm-hmm. The difference between a plague of locusts any time in history and the plague of locusts of Moshe is that Moshe says it's going to happen tomorrow, right? And then it's going to I'm going to get rid of it, right? So the, him he's showing that God is orchestrating the nature of right. of things. Mm-hmm. So so really, so there is that. Um, there is that idea. So, but, 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 but what the Ramban leaves open for us is this thing of what are we meant to believe in after Yitziat Mitzrayim, right? So Yitziat Mitzrayim was really the difference between the eyes that were seeing the miracles and there were also miracles for those that were in need and there were also miracles orchestrated by a particular person named Moshe, mm-hmm. right? So the question is what are we left to believe in. So the Ramban says, well, what we really should do is if we remind ourselves constantly of that historical event, we're going to be constantly reminding ourselves that God really is behind everything. And even Nisim Nistarim are constantly happening. Mm-hmm. So, but he's, he uses Mitzrayim as the, um, the catalyst for greater awareness and greater consciousness that God runs the world and everything really is you can say uh, a miracle because we believe that miracles are it, miracles are, are the hand of God. So therefore, if it's hard to, on a day-to-day basis, really feel like our life is a miracle and that everything around us is a miracle. So we keep going back to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and everything that was done there as a source of, like, the cornerstone mm-hmm. of that. Right, and he has a powerful, he has a powerful line where he says, he says, he says, what does God want from, uh, from, from the creation? Except that man should recognize God, that he created him. Mm-hmm. All the idea of praying together, 
So that there should be a particular place that people can get together and recognize that God is the creator and he created them and he gave them existence. So that people can ultimately say in front of God, we are your creatures, we are your creation. That's the point of the whole existence of man. <laughs> so that's it. To recognize God as our creator. Yeah, that's what God would create the world for. So that ultimately man can recognize that they were created by God. Mm-hmm. So that they can manifest God. So, 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 so the question is the attitude on a day-to-day basis. That's what I'm really trying to get at over here. Where does that leave us? He says that he, his words are, we should really see, um, um, if we're, uh, because from the great miracles are the moda benisim hanistarim shehem yisoda Then, people will also begin to recognize in the, in the hidden miracles, which is the cornerstone of the entire Torah. Whether we're talking about individuals, or you know, the collective, or the, pri- or the individual, Everything is ain bahem teva minhago shalom. There's no such thing as nature. There's no and such thing as nature on its own. Minhago shalom. Pantheism which, is a farce. Is a farce. Right. It just goes. Things go because they go. Mm-hmm. Things. Mm-hmm. That if if things go as planned as planned, where people are basically doing what God wants them to do, so then things will happen one way. If they don't, then it'll happen a different way. In other words, everything has to do with. Um, our relationship with God ultimately that's the way that's the way nature is is decided how things will happen if people die if, if there's an earthquake in Turkey and thousands of people die somehow that has something to do in some cosmic way between uh, th- th- that has something to do with the, the way pe- the way man. yeah the way people are conducting their lives hmm. now of course we always say we, we don't we don't know how in the in the bottom line to say this for that? Right, that's this a dangerous game effect. to play. You're right. We don't know that, but but we're meant to believe it, as far as what happens in the world. Because again, it it stems from the belief that nothing is random, nothing is on its own, everything is guided, and therefore, if God guides this, it's there's a reason behind it. Right. So what I, what I'd like to talk about, in other words, in the end, is this idea of pantheism. Because, so you wake up in the morning, you look outside. It's a cloudy day. <clears throat> it's a sunny day. It's a day, whatever Today. day. There are birds, <laughs> there are trees. So, when you, what are you supposed to see there? Is is the Ramban? He, he actually says on the bottom. You know when he's when he's explaining this. Um, one of the, one of the commentaries on the Ramban. He says, he he brings uh, into focus, some, you know, a story that you I think were referring to before, um, where there's a famous story in the Gemara where. You know, there was a there was a particular uh, um, I'm not sure what kind of an animal it was, but it was like killing people. It was a poisonous animal, and Rav Chanina Mendoza is told about it. And this miracle maker, Rav Chanina Mendoza, goes and sticks his foot on top of the hole that this viper was, or whatever it was, and it bites him. And the, instead of him dying, the 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 scorp, whatever it was, the snake dies. dies. So he says it's because it's not. He says he, it's not about this. It's not about the nature of the scorpion killing people. It's the nature of the way we act. 
Ein ha'arud meimit. It's this is not this viper that kills. It's the it's the chait that kills. Right? It's it's a deviation from what we're supposed to do in the world. That's what kills us. So that that's a very religious message, right? But mm-hmm. when it when it drifts off into things that sometimes we feel that like when we look around the world, so you see the sun and the moon and things. So when you look at it, are you supposed to? What are you? Are you seeing God? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you supposed to feel? How much do I consciously recognize God's creation and God's miracles on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. It's not like a, a heart stopper now that I say it. It's like, a, I thought the question was going to be a little bit stronger, but it's not. It's just, I don't know if the Ramban is being a fan of like, it's a very, something that's close to pantheism. It's like, you look around, you know, you see the tree. How much can you get into the tree being, you know, God? That's a dangerous thing, I mm-hmm. think. Even though you're kind of led to believe that if you if you take this further, you just feel that, well, that everything is just orchestrated by God and God's will and and things God created creation, <clears throat> nature in a way that it runs according to His will, not according to the laws of nature. The laws of nature is that there's water and that there's sun. It's photosynthesis, and God is saying, no, well, the the trees are there. At the, for the service of something greater and if and if they have to all die then they'll die because of man's conduct it has nothing to do with it in other words there's something that will override the system the system will be running mm-hmm. with you know phloem and you know sun and photosynthesis and then and then it will be overwrote you know it can be overridden by by other the higher system which is the spiritual plugged in system which you're saying really has nothing to do with the, what we would call the natural way things are, but like you said before, the way God tells us, at least in the Torah, that the world is run has nothing to do with the laws of nature. It says, if you are, are in my land and you keep my mitzvot, then there will be rain. And if you don't, then the land will kick you out and there will be rain and you won't be able to harvest your grain and it's going to suck. Um, and that is also in itself the system. It's just the system above it. Like there's the superficial natural system that we see um, but then there's the step above it, which is like almost that spiritual system that kind of flows into the natural system. Like that really is how things work, but we just don't see it. So what we see is just what's in front of it, that there are earthquakes, that there are nice trees and that Scotland is beautiful. But Right. So what, what would you say to a person? That. What would you say to a person who like gets like really into that thing and he's like... Uh you know, hugging trees, you know, because it's like, instead of going to pray, he just like hugs trees because he's, this is a manifestation of God. Um, I think, I think I would make, definitely make a line between someone who is feeling spiritual connection through nature with the awareness that this is his way of connecting to God, because through this, he understands that God runs the world. Versus someone who goes and deodizes whatever natural power that he is, because there's a power in nature, period. Like, is there something beyond that? What's the objective? Well, it, it, this is an interesting thing because it, it, there was a, a, one of the rebbes of Chabad, um, the early, he asked one of his, his, his two students, he said, well, he, says, well, he says, look at the, he says, look up. He says, what do you see? He says, I see beams of wood on the ceiling. He says, no. He says, what you see is a shtick elokus. You see a piece of God. That's what you see. 
Mm-hmm. So the the the, the non Hasidim, those that don't that aren't so mystical, they're not from such a mystical tradition like what we call, I don't know, the Litaim, the Lithuanian Jews. Those that follow don't follow you know, on a regular, you know, they don't mish, they don't mix, you know, the Kabbalistic traditions to regular life. They're very nervous with things like that because mm-hmm. they think that that borders on pantheism. In other words, what's the difference? But with- I don't see how I'm saying it could again if you forget if you forget the 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 like the etzem of the thing, but the. Looking at something and saying this is the this is Ratzon Hashem, meaning the fact that there's a table in front of us is because God wills it to be so. Or you can say Shtokelokus, whatever you said. It's a piece of God. In other words, it, it, but but if if it's only it's not there, attributing power to the table. There's nothing natural or intrinsic into the table besides the fact that God wills it to be. But you understand that there's a different level that you can go to where you're crossing. Yeah, but there's always blurred lines. It's like when no, people go to Kvara. But no, but do you hear it? Do you hear what that is? Can you feel what that means? Like to say... Yeah, I mean, because then there's also then you like, do you treat the table special? Because like, it's like godly. Do you, do you go hug trees? Because you'll get like filled with spiritual spirits. I, I, yeah, there's, you could go in a thousand different ways. Let's say the difference between the holy and the profane. Right? Does that make everything holy? No, no. <laughs> I'm saying is the, the idea of the profane. If you're in a bathroom, right, is God there? I would think so. So then, God is but there everywhere. are laws. The laws say that in the, in the in the places that are profane, then you don't mention God's name. Because that's about that's about us. I think that's about reserving kavod to to for God. Don't. Like, don't think about if you were talking, bringing it down. Like, if you were in Let's the bathroom, your parents with you in the bathroom. You... But he's with there, there with you in the bathroom as a parent. Your parents there with you in the bathroom. Are you addressing him, or are you saying, "Oh, this is not a place I should address my parent was with me in the bathroom"? I think it depends about that. Personally, like I don't know, some people. I see it a lot in Israel. Like people go into the bathroom with their cell phones and they're talking to people. I'm like, why? You shouldn't be talking to people when you're in the bathroom. It's not a thing. Well, that's much more of a. But I think it comes from the sensitive. same place. I think it's a sensitivity of like there are certain moments when you are more spiritually and emotionally and physically um, um, capable or uh, appropriate of you to receive and to think about um, more important, more holy, just different, like uh, a different state of being. And to be in that more uplifted, more wholly different than animal kind of place, you don't just involve everyone in every part of life. Like there are certain moments where you're just not meant to go there because it's just not appropriate. It, it, it lacks the okay, respect. Okay, I hear that. It's, no, it's not, you're not talking about the ultimate reality. You're talking about your attitude towards the respect that you owe towards. Yeah, because God. we said that at the beginning. At the end of the day, <clears throat> it always has to do with us. We understand that the reality is that God creates the world. God wills the world to be. There is God. The, anything that is in existence is the will of God. So there's nowhere that you're going to go that you could say, oh, God isn't here. But it always comes down to the attitude of like, do I feel like God is here? Do I see God in this? Do I believe that this is a nace for me? Do I, how much do I connect and how much do I see God's miracles in my day-to-day life has everything to do with me and nothing to do with God. 
how much do I rationalize godliness in my life and how much do I see it and will it to be a part of my life? That affects, not, like that has nothing to do with what the reality of God is in the world. It's what my reality with God is in the world. So when the Ramban says that we're supposed to see like the Nisim Nistarim in everything, does he also mean in just stagnant nature? Or does he just mean in, in events, human events? No, I think he refers to everything. That's what I'm asking. That sounds like pantheism a little bit. Because it's like you're supposed to see God in a tree. Just like you would see God in an event. Is that the same? I honestly don't see what's so different. I, I sort of, I'm, I'm not understanding then what's so... Because you're crossing a line. Because, uh, because granted that it has to do with us, but, but since it has to do with us, you, the crossing of the line makes it a little bit um, closer to... Um, it makes it a little bit closer to the... F- it makes it closer to, to, to making a mistake about about God's existence and kind of what we call, you know, splitting his existence. I'm saying that it's like a theological question. It's like, because the, the problem with saying, looking at the ceiling and saying it's a piece of God is that then from your perspective, you're seeing God as like not um, abstract enough for you. If well, why it's so concrete, seeing... if it's so concrete, then it's, you, you, you stand to err on the side of like anthropomorphism. Why does me believing that there's a piece of God in the ceiling make it so that I can't believe that God is more lofty and I don't understand God and God is beyond me? And because like, why not, does one cancel the other? No, because you're dancing in two, you're in two dances. You you can't. But we're always say, dancing more than one. Listen dance. to me. You can't look at the table and say God is in the table and then say no, but it's only an idea. Then you're not saying anything when God's in the table. You're just talking about some rationalization that God gives life to everything. I'm talking about a more of a it's just like if you look at an event. If you look at an event, you say, oh, that's the hand of God. So if you look at a tree, you say, oh, that's the hand of God. If you mean it's the hand of God in a direct way, just like an event is a direct way, the hand of God, it's orchestrated by God. I'm just saying some people feel uncomfortable with that. I, I understand that. I, I, could, I could hear that. You get to the idea where God is a thing and that you can, it, it's too close to anthropomorphic ideas. Which is ultimately the problem that we have with pantheism, because it's like it's not like one. You're not like bringing God together in one. You're splitting God into many pieces. I think that's ultimately the problem. I don't think the Ramban really meant it, and he, I don't think he really said it. He, I think he meant that on our level, I think we have to be honest with ourselves and how we can bring back the pieces of what we see as a fragmented world into a oneness. But the moment that our perception becomes like a split splitting of god's existence then you have to be careful mm-hmm. if, i think ultimately you have to ask yourself if it brings you to a oneness of understand the, the understanding of god in in a oneness perspective then it's then it's then it's fine whatever it is if you're able and i think that's what hasidim are saying is like if you live on a high level on a kabbalistic type of attitude level then you're constantly you know that's what they always say what do you do it's like we're trying to bring God's presence together from all the fragmented ex- existences that, exi- that, we, that are manifest in the world. We're trying to bring it all together. 
like bringing bringing us to higher consciousness where we're not going through day-to-day life without thinking about God and then something happens and then oh like that was God but everything else wasn't right and then then you know there's there's dead trees and there's leaves and then but that's not you know that has nothing to do with God right it's it's the point is that what the farther you go in an abstract the harder it is to do it but if you can do it great but the problem is, is that people very often lose the the strings that attach and they just f- kind of focus on the thing itself that's the dangerous part mm-hmm. if you're looking at a ceiling and thinking it's god if you're not really focused and being with your whole self into that idea you can just focus on the piece of wood like people focus on the wailing wall because they're not thinking about what the wall really is mm-hmm. besides just being a wall you know what i'm saying it's it's really a wall it's just what it represents in your mind, then that allows you to connect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah there's, <laughs> there's so much to say, but we both have to balance. Yeah, we've exhausted this topic for today, I think. Oh, there's so many questions, but all right. Anyway, pantheism, people. Think about it. <laughs> Good job, Liz. And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics we'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.